Good morning. Welcome to Calvary. It's a great pleasure to see uh, many of you back from the summer. Uh, it's wonderful to see you here, and we're uh, grateful that you're back from travels and internships and all sorts of things, and people coming from all over the world here today gathering with us. If this is your first time here, you are completely welcome. We're glad you're here. If it's the place you show up every Sunday, you're also welcome, and your presence matters a lot. Today we're starting a new worship series that is based on seasons of life. Uh, whether we know it or not, we are all in some season of life. Um, maybe I'm not in the same one that you are, uh, maybe I am, but we're all somewhere in our life and we're living it through a season, uh, if you imagine it like the seasons of the year. This week in our uh, Calvary staff retreat, we talked a lot about values. We talked a lot about what are core values of our congregation. What are some uh, things that describe our DNA? One of those that came up um, kind of on everybody's list was that we're an intergenerational place. If you look around, just take a moment to look around you today. You'll see uh, young people. You will see uh, boys and girls, uh, young children. We'll see some older people. Okay, we are, aren't we? Uh, you will see us in all different stages of life. At Calvary, we worship together. We don't have a children's worship, a youth worship, a college worship, uh, whatever worship, because we don't want you to graduate out of worship. We want you to be a part of what we're doing. We believe, like our introduction of new members says, that we can learn from each other. Why don't we say that together for those of you who know it? In response to your decision, we pledge ourselves to be the family of God for you in this place. We offer you our love, our care, our kinship, and our hopes. We hope to learn from you, give to you, and receive from you by God's grace. We hope to learn from you, give to you, and receive from you by God's grace. We're a place where if children misbehave or a baby cries, uh, we bless that rather than critique it. One time a man told me, you know, I was always annoyed by babies crying in our church until we didn't have any babies anymore and we didn't have any children to uh, speak at the wrong time or anything like that. And then I longed to hear a baby cry. I longed to see a child. I longed for the energy of children. So it's been my habit for years and years and years when I hear some sound or whatever, I say, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for that. And let's all practice that, and let's have, say thanks be to God for the words that we hear from different people in our congregation, the opportunity to learn from and be blessed. May it be so today as we worship. Amen.
joy of human love, brother, sister, parent, child, friends on earth and friends above, for all gentle thoughts and mild, Lord of all to thee we raise this our Church that evermore lift as holy hands above, offering upon every shore her pure sacrifice of love. Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. God, we thank you for our church. Thank you for our families. Thank you for our teachers. Thank you for our singers. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you for our children, for, thy, for their vitality, for their spontaneity, for their honesty, for their curiosity. May we approach you this morning with all of these. Amen.
words I go, hand of God, my defense by my side, as I rest, breath of God, fall upon, bring me
Strong, gentle children, God made you beautiful, gave you the wisdom and power you need. Speak in the stillness, all you are longing for, live out your calling to love and to lead. Strong, hurting children, angry and terrified, open the secrets your life has concealed. Though you are wounded, know you are not alone, cry out your story till truth is revealed. Strong, knowing children, Utter your cry aloud, honor the wisdom God gave you at birth. Speak to your elders till they have heard your voice. Sing out your vision of healing boy Samuel served the Lord under the direction of Eli. In those days, the Lord didn't give many messages to his people. He didn't give them many visions. One night, Eli was lying down in his usual place. His eyes were becoming so weak, he couldn't see very well. Samuel was lying down in the Lord's house. That's where the ark of God was kept. The lamp of God was still burning. The Lord called out to Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. He ran over to Eli and said, Here I am. You called out to me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called out, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli. He said, Here I am. You called out to me. My son, Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. Samuel didn't know the Lord yet. That's because the Lord still hadn't given him a message. The Lord called out for the third time. He said, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli. He said, here I am. You called out to me? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. If someone calls out to you again, say, speak, Lord, I am listening. So Samuel went down. So Samuel went and lay down in his place.
A reading from Matthew. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me. Don't keep them away. The kingdom of heaven belongs to people like them. Jesus placed his hands on them to bless them. Then he went on from there. gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, the story goes that there was an emperor who was so fond of new clothes that he spent all of his money on them. Most kings could be found sitting with their council, but it was often said that this emperor could always be found 
sitting in his wardrobe. One day, two fellows calling themselves weavers came to town, and they told the emperor that they knew how to weave a marvelous new cloth that was filled with the most beautiful colors and patterns. But only the wisest and most sophisticated people could see what exquisite cloth it was. It was invisible to all of those who were foolish or unfit for their jobs. They couldn't see the cloth at all. Well, the emperor immediately wanted these magical new clothes, so he gave the weavers large sums of money and ordered them to start working immediately. They set up their looms and pretended to work late into the night. Well, after a while, the emperor wanted to know how his fancy new clothes were coming along, so he decided to send his minister to visit the weavers, thinking surely he would be wise enough to be able to see them. So the minister went, but when he looked at the loom, there was absolutely nothing there, not even a tiny little bit of thread. But the minister didn't want to appear foolish, so he said, oh, this is just excellent. The patterns are exquisite. The colors are so vibrant. I will go tell the emperor immediately about his new clothes. Well, after a few more days, the emperor started getting curious again, and he sent some of his court officials to observe the weaver's progress. And they, too, were startled when they looked down at the loom and saw nothing. But not wanting to appear unfit for the king's court, they began to rave at how extraordinary these new clothes were. Soon, the emperor's new clothes were, in fact, the talk of the town. Well, finally, the time came for the emperor to see his new clothes, and the weavers proudly held up each and every piece for him to see and pointed out all the intricate designs they had worked so tediously to prepare. And the emperor was flabbergasted when he saw nothing at all. And immediately fearing that he was too small-minded to see his own clothes, he exclaimed, oh, they're absolutely perfect. And everyone began to cheer. Well, then the weavers insisted that the emperor get dressed and go show the whole town his new clothes. So the emperor began to undress, and the weavers pretended to adorn him with all of these new pieces of his wardrobe. They said they're so light and delicate, it will feel as if you have nothing on. And then the emperor proceeded to walk through the town, and the lords of his chamber pretended to lift his majesty's train and carry it behind him. After all, they didn't want to appear foolish either. And as he walked through the town, all of the townspeople cried, Oh, how beautiful are our emperor's new clothes! Until finally, a little child exclaimed, But the emperor doesn't have any clothes on at all. And everyone stared at him in shock until someone said, Listen to the voice of the child. And soon everyone began to whisper what he said from person to person until the whole town knew it to be true. Well, the emperor was so upset when he heard the crowds whispering about him, but they knew that the show must go on. So he simply began to carry himself even more proudly than before. And the lords of his bedchamber continued to hold up his train as he walked throughout the town in his underwear. 
Well, it has been said that Hans Christian Andersen wrote The Emperor's New Clothes because of an experience from his own childhood. He was watching a parade when he was a little boy and saw King Frederick VI of Denmark pass by. And for years, he had been told all of these incredible and marvelous stories about King Frederick. And yet when the king walked by, Anderson looked up and said, but he's just an ordinary human being. He didn't understand what all the fuss was about, and he never forgot it. It's an important reminder that sometimes, if not most times, our children can see what we can't see. And they're bold enough to say what we won't say. And they're watching much more closely than we realize. The lens through which they see the world is a bit clearer and far less complicated than the foggy lens through which many of us see the world. Which is perhaps why Jesus pointed to the children who were climbing all over him one day just as the disciples were shooing them away and reminded them that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Well, our text for today is about a child, a little boy who hears God's voice even when his elder, the priest Eli, does not. Samuel is asleep in the temple one night when he hears a voice call his name, and he immediately gets out of bed, runs to Eli's room, But when he gets there, Eli says to him, I I didn't call you, go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to bed and just when he's gotten comfy and is about to fall asleep, he hears a voice call out again, Samuel. So he jumps out of bed again and runs back to Eli's room and Eli says, I don't know what you're talking about. Go back to bed, little boy. And so just when he is drifting off to sleep a third time, he hears that voice again, Samuel. So he hops back out of bed, runs to Eli's room and says, okay, this isn't funny anymore. I know you called me this time. But this time Eli finally puts the pieces together and realizes that it's the Lord who is calling Samuel's name in the night. And so Eli tells Samuel to go back and lie down again. But this time, if the Lord calls his name, he is supposed to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And you know, in verse 1 of this chapter, it says that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Things like this didn't happen very often. But verse 10 tells us that the Lord comes and stands right beside that little boy in the middle of the night and delivers his message to Samuel. I'll never forget one of my first summers with Calvary at Passport Kids Camp. I was trying to remember who was chaperoning this year. John, I think you were there, and I can't remember who else. Maybe Jody Heston. And so each summer, they they give the kids, the kids give their preferences for their camper's choice activities for the week. But we always tell them, you may not get your first choice, and we're going to have a good attitude no matter what. Well, somehow one of our older boys, Asharian, ended up in a group that was doing ribbon dancing for their camper's choice. And if any of y'all know Ashari, and you can probably understand how he might have felt about that. 
I'm not sure how it happened, but he desperately wanted to be with his friends playing gaga ball outside, and he wanted nothing to do with that ribbon dancing. And he especially did not want to have to do a ribbon dance in front of all of his friends in worship that night. So one of the camp staffers came to get me because Asharian maybe wasn't on his best behavior in the ribbon dancing class. <laughs> and I mean, really, who could blame him? So I went to see him. I gave him a chance to express his frustration and calm down a bit. And finally, I said, buddy, I am so sorry you're in this group. I bet it was a mistake. I know you're not where you want to be right now. And I'm definitely not going to make you do a ribbon dance in front of all your friends and worship tonight. But I do need you to finish the class and to be respectful to your teachers and to the other campers. And he was a bit annoyed with me that I was making him stay in ribbon dancing, but I thought he would survive for another 30 minutes. Well, we were all at dinner that night, and the campers who were doing the ribbon dance left early to practice one more time before worship. And I saw Asharian kind of eye me to see if I was going to make him go, but I shook my head and just motioned for him to stay. Until a few minutes later, I felt a tap on my shoulder, and it was Asharian. And he said, Miss Mary Alice, I can do the ribbon dance. And I started trying to talk him out of it. I, <laughs> I really didn't know what was going to happen here. But I also didn't want him to feel like he needed to do a ribbon dance to please me. But as he went on, he insisted, and he said, no, this is something I need to do. And so I followed him to the worship center, and the camp staffer rehearsing with the kids was pretty surprised when we walked in. And she gave me an eye like, what do you think you're doing, bringing this young boy who was ruining my ribbon dancing rehearsal earlier? But I stood by his side, even if I was a bit nervous about what might happen next. And do you know that when the time came in worship for the children to share their ribbon dance, it was as if Asharian was dancing with God. He took it so seriously, and he didn't miss a single beat. And it was as if he could hear this deeper music that none of the rest of us could hear. And I sat on that front row, and I cried as I watched him because I was so moved by the Spirit of God within him and so grateful that Asharian had listened to a deeper voice instead of mine. Because sometimes our kids can hear what we can't hear. Some people might call it innocence. Others might call it imagination or creativity. But I call it sacred and holy. And so if you are a child in the sanctuary today, I want to talk to all of you all for just a minute. This part of the sermon is just for you. Do you know that you are such an important part of the family of God in this place? You are, each and every one of you. And that means when you come to church, it matters to us. When you speak up and say something, we want to listen to you. When you sing and worship, we hear your voices. You help us to hear God's voice more clearly. Or when you draw a picture in worship, it helps us to see a picture of who God is that we might not have otherwise thought about. Do you know our church would be so boring if you weren't here? 
It'd be so quiet if you weren't here. And so know that your presence here gives us hope. It gives us joy. You know, I'm looking at Atticus right now, and I'm reminded of when Atticus was born. And it gives us so much joy to see him in this worship space right now. Kids, you all remind us what the kingdom of God is all about. But today's text isn't just about children. Because Samuel heard God's voice, but he never would have understood it if it hadn't been for Eli. And can we talk for a minute about how patient Eli was with Samuel coming into his room three times in the middle of the night? I'm sure every parent in this room could share plenty of stories with us about children coming into their rooms in the middle of the night. And I don't know that any of us, even on our best days, would have the clarity and discernment needed to hear God's voice when we are half asleep. Most of us would just tell them that they are having a bad dream and to help them go back to bed. But you see, they each had something to offer the other, Samuel and Eli. One was old and one was young. One was going blind and one could see. One had a life full of experience and the other was just starting out on his journey. One could hear something that the other could not. And it wasn't an easy word if you keep reading on. One delivered a challenging word from God, even though it scared him to speak up, and he offered it courageously. And the other received a challenging word from God, even when it scared him, and he accepted it faithfully. You see, they both needed each other, and they both helped each other to hear God's voice more clearly. And so if you are older than sixth grade, I would like to talk to all of you for just a moment here, too. Our children need us. Youth, they look up to you all much, much more than you know. Many of them are just counting down the days until they get to sit up front with you and to wear a cool Aloha Weekend t-shirt with you. But it goes all the way up to our senior adults. They need the whole family of God in this place, investing in their lives, asking them about the things that are important to them, listening to their stories, showing them that we care, and teaching them what it means to love God and walk in the ways of Jesus. And the thing is, it's not just the children in these pews who need us, although we care about them so deeply. The children just around the corner at West Avenue Elementary School need us to show up for them, don't they, Principal Weeks? Children in our community experiencing food insecurity. Children in the foster care system who need advocates. Children who have been separated from their families seeking refuge at the border. Children in our schools, our neighborhoods, our families, and all around our world. I saw a news article last week that just struck me at my core. And the headline read that sales of bulletproof backpacks for children have surged 200 to 300 percent. And instead of picking out Hello Kitty or Spider-Man backpacks, it said children are receiving backpacks this year that double as shields in case they might be caught in gunfire. 
Multiple websites are calling the bulletproof backpack a consumer favorite. And then sales skyrocketed after the El Paso shooting just a couple weeks ago. One website even highlighted a bag called the Junior Pack, made especially for preschoolers. Friends, these backpacks that are surrounding us today should be used to carry wonder and imagination and curiosity and learning and fun. The thought of even using a backpack as a shield should never have to come across a single child's mind. Part of honoring and caring for our children is to let them be children. The mass shootings that continue to pervade our country are not our children's problems to solve, and it's certainly not their job to protect themselves, but it is absolutely ours. The question is, will you and I have the courage to hear a challenging word from God like Eli did? And how will we respond? As we often say, there is no such thing as other people's children. They are all beloved children of God. Every color, every race, all are covered by God's grace. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Frederick Buechner once wrote, when the disciples, who were over earnest as ever, asked Jesus who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus pulled a child out of the crowd and said, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven were people like this. People like Lily walking right into the room right now. And 2,000 years of homiletic sentimentalizing to the contrary notwithstanding, Jesus was not trying to be sentimental here. He was calling us to be like children who live with their hands open more than their fists clenched. He was calling us to be like children who are so relatively unburdened by preconceptions that if somebody says there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, they are perfectly willing to go look for themselves. Children aren't better than other people, he read, but like the child in the emperor's new clothes, they are just apt to be better at telling the difference between a phony and the real thing. And so may we pay attention, because our children most certainly are, and they remind us what truly matters in the kingdom of God. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Every color, every race, all are covered by God's grace. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Let's pray. And as we pray, I would like to invite us to spend a few moments reflecting on two people. First, in this moment, think about Who is your Eli? Who is the person who, when you were young, helped you to discover God? Who helped you learn to make wise choices? Who listened to you even in inconvenient moments and was patient with you when you needed help? And where would any of us in this room be without those saints who have gone before us? 
Let's take just a moment to thank God for the many different Eli's who have played such important parts in our stories. Now I'd like to invite you to think about a second person. Who is your Samuel? Who is a child God has placed in your life? Who is a young person you might mentor and guide, whether that's here at Calvary, in your family, at West Avenue, or any other classroom or somewhere else? And are you paying attention to them? Are you taking time to listen for how you might hear God's voice more clearly through them? Let's take a moment to thank God for the Samuels in our midst, for the children who show us what the kingdom of heaven is all about. God, for our Eli's and for our Samuel's, we give thanks. Give us open eyes to how we might see you in one another, how we might learn from, give to, and receive from all of the beautiful people who are part of the family of God. Amen. Maybe today you feel led to take a step toward following Jesus or to joining our community of faith here at Calvary where we seek to follow Jesus together. Maybe you want to pray with one of our ministers about a Samuel or an Eli in your life. However God is inviting you to respond, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary and we would love to visit with you and to pray with you as we continue in worship.
Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you. Thank you for these offerings that we are about to receive. Lord, that you would continue your great work among us. Father, that the children that you sent us, that we would mentor them and love them and care for them. I thank you for just the testimony you have brought here before us today. I pray these offerings will be blessed to your kingdom's work. In Jesus' name, amen.
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son,
Go now in peace. Amen.